Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hip Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a show for women who are chasing their everyday and epic adventures. This podcast is hosted by Christy Moan and me, Katherine Taylor, and powered by Feisty Media. Hey, <laughs> ah, what's up? I started the record button before Christy was ready. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> but I'm ready now. Which is rarely happens. You're usually like, could you just start the record button? Can we push the record? Let's do this. Uh, you're in a new room again today. Yes. This is the uh, dining slash living room from Mason Moan's house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and you were, I guess we talked when you were in Bentonville, you were in Bentonville last week though, mm-hmm. getting things set up for Big Sugar. How's it looking for that? Amazing. It's going to be fun. Yeah. It's going to be so fun. I mean, into the Grand Prix. So that's, uh, it's going to be, I, I just love what we did there. I'm excited about it. Yeah. I'll, I'll get to see you there. I'll, we'll be there. We're going to do some podcast recording and some, a bunch of stuff on social. So if you Follow us on Instagram. Make sure you catch all the behind the scenes in Bentonville. It's going to be a, it's going to be a lot of fun. And we're going to get a lot of stuff set up for the gravel festival because tickets are going to go on sale for the gravel festival. So Yay. if you wished you would have joined us in 2022, because you know, you did wish, you know, you did 2023 is the time to be in Bentonville to join us at the gravel festival. We we're going to have even more fun and exciting things. I don't know how that's that. possible, but I believe you. I don't know how it's possible either. So, <laughs> um, anyway, we actually talked to one of the Grand Prix racers this week, another person in the Grand Prix series. Um, and it's funny cause I asked people what they want to talk about before. And we got to talk about one of your favorite topics, Christy, <laughs> my favorite topics. I don't know if that's the right word. <laughs> I know you like to have the mass start conversation. Yeah. It's my favorite. Anyway, <laughs> I know it's not your favorite topic, but uh, anyway, we got to talk to Hannah Shell and talk to her a little about her cycling journey. And um, yeah, she'll be racing uh, in that last Grand Prix race too. And if you're like, Catherine's not the one that's usually trying to push the intro to get off. <sighs> it's because I'm in Bend visiting my, visiting our podcast producer, Carrie, who was like, Hey, where's your intro? You didn't, you didn't, it didn't come through with the recordings on Tuesday. <laughs> um, and I was like, it's my fault. I had to go straight to another oh, meeting. That's right. But 
she's waiting for me so we can go walk and get wine. Okay. Go walk and get wine. Sounds <laughs> anyway, fun. we're going to get on an interview with Hannah and I'm going to go get wine with Carrie. Awesome. To live your healthiest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. Inside Tracker was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. It provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan on how to live a longer, healthier life. Inside Tracker can also calculate your biological age, which is the rate you're aging compared to your chronological age, as well as ways to lower your biological age. The thing we love most about Inside Tracker is that they give you recommendations on things you can control to optimize your health, like food, supplements, workouts, and other lifestyle choices. And did you know that you can use your HSA, HRA, and FSA to buy any Inside Tracker plan? Which means you can purchase Inside Tracker using your tax-free dollars. Oh, and it gets better. For a limited time, you get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store when you sign up. So if you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with the science-backed recommendations to optimize what's not working, visit insidetracker.com slash feisty. That's insidetracker.com slash feisty. We are recording the podcast on a Friday, which I don't think has ever happened. Hmm. You might be right. That's all. That's all my fault. So sorry about that. It's okay. It's totally okay. I feel like we should be having happy hour, even though it's only noon for me. Yeah. What time is it for you, Hannah? One o'clock where I am. So that is definitely late enough for happy hour. (laughs) Okay. That voice is Hannah Shell. She just told me she's in Longmont, Colorado, which I think probably does not suck at this time of year. Um, so Hannah, tell us about you. Tell us, uh, give us the scoop on who you are and how you got into cycling. That's where we always start with our guests. Yeah. So I got into cycling after I graduated from college, I had developed a running injury in my senior year and was kind of going through rehab, um, was told by one of my hip surgeons that I really just shouldn't run anymore. And I was 22 and that was devastating. And, um, I was working at the federal reserve at the time. One of my coworkers, uh, Kate Vermin was a triathlete. And when I told her kind of what I was going through, she said, well, have you thought about bike racing? And I was like, is that a thing in the U S and she was like, yeah. So took me to a local crit, um, the Edwardsville crit, which is kind of like an eight corner, super fun course. And, um, I ended up getting third and just absolutely fell in love with it. It's awesome. Yeah. And it, that doesn't have that ever bothered your hip, the bike racing. That is such a, such a tough question. So it does, and it doesn't, um, because it's non-impact for the most part, my surgeon was happy with it and I'm happy with it. Um, I do a lot of off the bike kind of strength and activation. And, um, I'm always kind of hyper aware of, uh, any sort of situations that could lead to issues there. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to be sidelined. Yeah. You'll have to go to swimming next. Oh, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Have you guys tried swimming as adults? <laughs> um, it's not graceful. I'll say that. <laughs> I'm actually a quite good swimmer. So that's why I'm always like, you should try swimming. Yeah. I, I did triathlon for a long time. And I also, uh, 
coached swimming for a number of years and did a lot of open water swimming, but, uh, Oh, great. Yeah. Well, there you go, Hannah. If you have to go swimming, <laughs> your guy. I'll help you, so. but you're not going to, we're really yeah. confident about your yeah. cycling. Uh, so how did you go from a crit, like enjoying a crit to now you're racing in the grand prix and racing at the elite level, um, yeah. and, and offered cycling. Um, so I raced for DNA in 2019 and DNA, as you guys probably know, um, has always, I would say supported off-road, even though they're a road team. Mm -hmm. So when I was racing, um, Sarah Kaufman was on the roster. And so, um, they would always send athletes to Crusher and the Tusher. Um, at one point, Amy Charity was racing there, you know, that's where Lauren DeCrescenzo got into gravel. Um, and so I'd seen all of these really awesome women kind of go into gravel and just heard all these really good things. And when the, um, pandemic hit, I decided it was a good time to try doing some longer events and discovered I really liked it. And, um, I felt like I was more suited for the longer endurance stuff than crits, which is ironic that I spent so many years doing 45 minute races. (laughs) (laughs) Well, your fitness had to be built up just from doing all of those. So. Yeah, absolutely. And what, who's your coach now? Is it Amber? Is that right? Yeah. Um, I've been, well, I've worked with Amber for the last three years and actually just in the last couple of weeks, I'm kind of starting with a new coach, Greg Henderson. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. I would think as gravel gets more popular and like the women's field keeps like, we see it elevate every year. Right. And I would think some of that, uh, tactic and speed that you have from crit racing would actually be a big benefit because you do see like in the men's race, so much of it is who just sticks together. And then it's a sprint to the finish. Yeah. And so like when you're an endurance athlete, sometimes you don't have that very top end gear to plug into, but you probably like you came from that and now you've like enjoyed the long stuff. I think that and, um, pack skills. I think that Mm. I think Amy charity, when I was brand new, described the first hour of unbound, she was like, it's a crit. That is the best way to describe it. And it seems so counterintuitive for a race that's 12 hours long, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's absolute chaos and being able to be comfortable in that and know how to position and um, know where like the safest parts of the pack are. It all translates really well from crit racing. You are the complete opposite of me where I'm like yelling, triathlete, (laughs) get out of my way. I have terrible bike handling skills. But that's the other, like the cool part about gravel is for most of it, you're riding by yourself in aerobots, right? So those skills are great too. (laughs) Well, we've touched on the two controversies in gravel right now, right? There's only one more we can hit. So we've got the start. We've got aerobars. Are we going to talk about feed zones? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Or drafting. We can. Oh, drafting. <laughs> yeah. Drafting. Uh, uh, do you like the mass start then since you're, uh, you come from the crit background? I do. Yeah. I am a big fan of the mass start. And do you, do you feel like, cause this is the big question we always like go back and forth with women. Like, do you, do you feel like it mm. gives women the same opportunity or like a, as that field grows, does it make sense to have a women's start? And I don't have an answer to that. I just like asking the question. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't think that I can answer it 
straight up, I think there are um, pros and cons to both situations. Um, but having participated both in races that have a mass start and races that have a women's only start, I prefer the mass start. Um, one of my favorite examples is Crusher and the Tusher, where they have a women's only start, but all of the women know, okay, the pro men start 10 minutes after us. And so they're going to catch us at whatever point. And then that's when the race is going to really break up because it's whoever can hang on with the men for the longest that gets to leave it for the women. Um, and I think that that's a problem you have, even if you start the pro men first, then you're going to have whatever category after them and whatever race, you know, unless the women's race is really, really going from the gun to stay ahead of everyone else, you're going to have that issue. I, I mean, you, I agree. I think that all we're talking about with any of those changes is just changes in tactics and strategy. Yeah. That's it's just changing how you race the race. That's what it changes. Unless you're going to simply a women's race and a men's race where they're not on the same day or within the, like where they can't overlap on the course, you're simply changing the strategy strategy and the tactic of how you're racing. I agree. And I think that given the way that gravel started, and I think something that is super appealing to me is that everyone is just on the same line. And so there's no, um, you know, those of us that come from road know the complexity of being someone that's brand new to it and figuring out, okay, I have to get a license. And then these are the races that I'm able to race with that license. Um, and from a race organizer perspective, you've got you know, you're trying to figure out how to fit all of these different races and all these different categories in. Um, and so gravel just kind of came along and simplified all of that. And I think through that made it a more inclusive experience. And so I totally understand, um, particularly the women that have come from more of a mountain bike background. And I think that they're coming into gravel and they're like, oh, like we're used to in these professional events, having our own race. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it is a different discipline and it's something that I think makes gravel really appealing. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I love it because I'm like, well, Leah Davis and I had several conversations before events, like where she was talking about our start lines. And I'm like, I, I don't know, Leah. I mean, this is how we do it. And maybe it's not, maybe this isn't your jam mm -hmm. and that's okay too. Like, you know, I think, I think it's when you're stepping into a space um, understanding what that space is. And if you're choosing to participate in it, um, those are, those are the rules. Like, it's not that we can't have conversations about how we can make it safer or better or look at things. Like I, I do appreciate that about gravel as well is that we are having the conversations, but, but really when you step back as a race organizer or somebody that's been doing this since 2006, it's like, you we look at the, we look at it constantly and we're talking about it. And I'm, it's interesting to hear your perspective because it's the perspective I have. It's just like, you're just asking for the race to start at a different spot. That's right. Or for the, for the strategy to be different. Um, like at Schwamigan, I heard mm -hmm. so many women express concern that when the pro men caught up to women that had been dropped off the lead group, they were just going to pull them back up to the lead group. And so it's like here you have kind of exactly what, like a structure that's considered an ideal structure where women have their own start. It's 
got a good time gap from the women to the men, but then they're, the men are still going to impact the women's race, unless you have an explicit rule like you would in road where you say you can't work with anyone that's not in your race. If you are a cat four woman and you come across a cat four man, you guys cannot work together. Um, you know, that's a, that's a rule that's honored in road racing, but I think it would be, it's just so. That'd be so hard to monitor. So it's like, imagine trying to place that. You said it, Hannah, it's simple. And that's what, that's where we're really trying to kind of keep it. And it's, again, it's not that we can't have the conversations and see if it doesn't make an improvement, but if it's just adding a rule, it just changes how the game is played. Mm-hmm. on the, on those levels. in in my opinion, how did, cause you raced at gravel worlds. Yes. Um, and they tried something different there. Um, it looked a bit from where I stood, it looked a little bit frightful, but I don't know how it played out on the course. Um, how did that play out? Right. And so, well, so for anyone that's not familiar with gravel worlds, they had the pro women start first, and then they had a rolling barricade between the women and the men. Um, so the men started, I don't know, like five minutes after the women and, um, their neutral rollout lasted. I think it was one mile past the start of the dirt at which point their neutral rollout pulled off. And so the men at that point were able to overtake the women, which happened pretty much immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, I go back and forth on, on, how to describe it. I think that the women knew it was coming. Um, so when we got past one mile to the gravel, I did notice that, you know, all of a sudden you see like Whitney Allison and Heather Jackson, and you see the big players starting to make their way up to the front of the race. And then when the men came past, that was the race was on, it was stay with that group. And then from there it broke up. I think that what I liked about the gravel world start is, um, And I think Jason's argument behind it is that it gave the women a chance to see who's on the line with me, who's here, kind of size each other up a little bit. But then it was kind of like, you know, the neutral rollout's gone, here come the men and here's the race. I think the thing that struggles, and this is just, this is just from a player's perspective of the concept of inclusive, Mm -hmm. that you are. I, I liked the idea of it. What I struggled with was, do you lose the opportunity for an age grouper that is not, that doesn't know how mm-hmm. fast she is? Now she's starting back behind and has no chance of, I mean, I think you're, I think you're eliminating a group of women that we, that don't either don't know or or we don't know, you know, if she's choosing not to line up in the pro, maybe that's the, that's the issue is that, well, if you think you've got a chance, nobody's stopping you from lining up there, lining up there. We don't have pro cards go line up there. Yeah. I love that about gravel, you know? And I think that a lot of women, um, that are new to the sport have found out that they have potential to become pro through that. Mm -hmm. You know, they're starting with, they're starting on the same line as everyone else and maybe they're new to gravel or new to cycling either one if they're super strong and they just stay with that group that can be a big defining moment for them right it's kind of cool coming from uh 
road cycling and now coming into gravel. And especially it's interesting the time you've come into gravel, right? Because it is, there's such a big women's push right now. Like, do you see that this is where the opportunities really are for women? Or do you think like, oh, well, there's probably some opportunities on road now that Mm -hmm. the Tour de France Femmes has like taken off, you know, it's, it's a really interesting time for women to be in cycling, I think. I would say up until the last three months, if you asked me where are the opportunities for women, I would have said gravel. Now there's so many new opportunities popping up. I think a lot of it has to do with the Tour de France Femme. Um, but there's, for example, the National Cycling League, which is supposed to be fielding two new women's teams this year on the road. Um, there's so many opportunities. Um in terms of road racing teams with the American Crit Cup, I watched those races this year and just like, I just loved everything that um, that race series became for crit racing. It it just seemed to really elevate um, and create a more professional uh, story behind the teams there. I, I think that there's the road environment when I left really seemed to be kind of stagnating and now it's be all of this renewed interest. I love that. I'm so excited. It is exciting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's exciting to, to, to watch all of it. You know, I, I just feel like women's cycling is, is really fun to watch. It is. I'm a fan of the women's cycle. I mean, it's kind of a no brainer to say that, but (laughs) it's just, it's, it's exciting and it's, it's an exciting time to watch all of this kind of unfold. I just hope we keep it going. Yeah, I do too. So you, do you also work full-time? I think you were telling me before we started, you, you're not full-time just training and racing, right? You work full-time and you said something about the federal reserve earlier. So I go back and forth. Um, I was working for the federal reserve when I started racing. I left that, uh, left that job, um, and raced full-time the year that I was on DNA and then went back to working full-time um, and then in June of this year, I decided that I wasn't going to work full time and that I, I was going to look for a part time opportunity, took a few months off, um, haven't been able to find anything that's part time that I'm interested in. Um, so now I'm back to working full time and currently on a contract that will run through about June. And so I think that that's maybe what I'm looking at. Um for the, you know, for as long as I want to keep racing is try to work during the off season full-time on contract if I can, and then have the summers off for racing. That's awesome. Hopefully that works. Fingers crossed. It's hard (laughs) to find, you know, I think that there are so many, particularly women out there that are struggling with trying to figure out how do I balance this professional career with racing because racing hasn't historically been enough to pay a living wage for women. I think that is starting to change at the upper levels, but at my level, certainly, you know, I still need that stable income from a work or from a professional job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, how many, have you done all of the Grand Prix events so far? I missed Sea Otter. You missed Sea Otter. Yeah. So, so, uh, and you didn't, did you do Big Sugar last year? I did. Yeah. Okay. So you kind of, we're getting toward the end of the series. So it's fun. You're one of our first guests that we've had, I think since Schwamigan. So kind of, how have you liked the series? Uh, you know, what have you thought? Did you have a favorite race so far? Mm, Unbound is my favorite. <laughs> oh, you make Christy happy. 
Uh, was that your first 200 miles? No, I did it. I did Unbound in um, 2021. And actually, I went by myself to Emporia and rode the course in 2020. Um, I oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's it, awesome. I call it my Unbound time trial. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Was uh, that your first 200 miles? That was my first 200 miles. Oh, my gosh. So you did you did a north course? Yeah. Yeah, nice. Cool. So you've gotten to see both North and South so far. I have. That's awesome. Yeah. What do you like better, Christy? North I like South better. Um, but it's because I'm in love with the big, um, the big views that you get to the South. Like I, I literally have goosebumps just talking about like climbing up the cattle pens and up into that area where you can just I just think it's really pretty. And the, the North is really pretty too. I like, I do, I like them both, but I think it's just because I love those big views, those big iconic views in the South that just, if I'm having a bad day, I'll hop on my bike and ride to the towers and it just fixes so many things. So I don't, I don't know. It's just a, it's just a meditative, awesome space out there that yeah really lets you kind of connect where the North you've got I don't know. You kind of have to pay attention more. I don't know. Um, there's a bit more technical parts yeah. in the North, I think, um, which I love that too, but like it just, I love getting to those top of those climbs and being able to just look out and see rolling Hills forever. So yeah, that's yeah. How about you? Hmm. I think I liked, I think I liked the South better also. They're both, they're both amazing. Yeah. Both directions are cool. And I'm glad we get to switch it up so that you can kind of see the different, because I don't think people understand how beautiful Kansas really is. And I think the event does a pretty good job highlighting, highlighting how pretty it, it is actually out there. So you'll have to do the 350 because yeah. that gets you into some even better. <laughs> <laughs> Just add a few. <laughs> Just do it for, Just the, for views. the views. I mean, it might be dark when you go through the views. But it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you've always been a road racer or gravel cyclist. So how was it doing, um, some of the off-road events like Leadville and Schwanigan? <laughs> um, terrifying. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The mountain bike, um, has been such a struggle for me this year. I got, I, I saw the announcement for the Grand Prix and I was so excited. I was like, yes, I want to be a part of this. It's so cool. And then, um, when I got accepted into it I was kind of oh panic I don't even own a mountain bike um so yeah the level of fear that I had at the beginning of the year on the mountain bike was real I was, I was uh, like sobbing I don't think you were the only one um, particularly <laughs> if there was no <laughs> really um well and then the field was so intimidating I mean the list of mountain bikers that are world cup level athletes was, I mean, I think there's about 10. Um, so yeah, it, it was a huge learning experience. Um, I think the positives that came out of it are it's fun to be new at something, um, and feel like there's not any expectation going into those races. And then the, like the mountain biking community is just another level of awesome. There are so many women that 
um, reached out to me and found like, I don't even know how to say it. They went way out of their, um, daily routine to go out on trails with me, even though I didn't want to, and forced me to ride things that I was scared of so that I could see that I could do it. Dang. That's awesome. Well, and mountain biking, I suck at it. Um, that's not fair to myself. I'm always working on trying to get better at it. (laughs) And I always find like, I can go somewhere and if I can mountain bike consistently for like a week, the level of improvement is huge, but I don't retain it. So if I leave and go away for three or four months and come back, I feel like I'm back at the start of my journey of a mountain bike. And that's frustrating because I'm just like, why do I not retain this? The skill set just like evaporates and I have to, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm not starting from square one, but it, it looks like it. And my husband thinks it, it looks like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, there's not a lot of great mountain biking in Kansas. No, there isn't. There is not a lot of great mountain biking in Kansas. So literally I have to make a conscious effort to go somewhere to mountain bike. And I have a really nice mountain bike, which is also a problem because I show up with my mountain bike and people are like, Hmm. You, they're like, Oh, you look fat. Uh, yeah. She knows what she's doing. I'm like, no, the bike knows what it does. It, I have no idea what that bike can do. <laughs> That's funny. I had a really nice mountain bike and I got rid of it because I felt too much pressure. So I got it like more entry level. Cause I'm like, well, now I just don't have feel pressure to like be good. I just could have fun. Yeah. On the bike. <laughs> I'm not getting rid of my mom. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, have you, uh, I've been curious about just, you know, taking this group that's been doing all these races together. And I know there's been some activations at races. Do you feel like you've developed relationships with some of the women or have there been any things that have surprised you about the community of doing all these events together? Mm, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I do feel like I've developed relationships with some other women. Um, Isabel King, one that comes to mind, we were kind of at Schwamigan, um, sharing support through Garmin and we had met each other before, but, um, particularly going into a mountain bike race and not being mountain bikers, it was really fun to have someone else there in the same situation. But I mean, she just approaches it from a place of pure, like, this is fun. Um, so that's, that was cool. And she's easy to find on the um, course because she's all in orange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you can stay with her. She is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, that's really fun. I think it would be, uh, I'll be interested to see how everybody feels at big sugar, kind of like that, like you've gone on this journey together and what that last event feels like to kind of be in that together. Is there going to be a party or something, Christy, for the Grand Prix? There is, um, yes, I believe so. I mean, for, for the Grand Prix athletes, I don't know. Like, I know there's an after they, party after the race, but yeah, there's an after party after the race. And I think they're doing some special stuff for the Grand Prix athletes that I don't want to spoil. So if Hannah doesn't know it yet, then they haven't, they haven't told them yet. So I'm going to keep my mouth shut <laughs> so I don't get I don't in trouble. It. But, no, I um, I mean, you know, having to, having been able to be on the inside of this a little bit, I mean, I think, I think the lifetime team anyway has been um, really humbled and honored to be able to put something like this together. And 
to give it, to give a crack at it. Um, and hopefully, you know, as we move, as we continue to move forward, it does build fandom. Like we're getting to hear some pretty cool stories about, I mean, that's the part to me that's cool. And the, and the part that we're doing 50, 50 across the board, you know, like I'm, I'm really, I don't think it's any secret that I'm just super, a super huge advocate of, for, for women in this sport. And, um, I'm happy to see that, that that's where it's at. And I'm so, I mean, I, I, I said from the beginning, I thought the women's race was going to be the most exciting part of the whole Grand Prix. And I think it's, it's playing out that way. And I think we saw it with the Tour de France Femme. I mean, I just think it reinforces the whole thing about the power of, of women in sport. Um, so I'm, I'm, I hope you feel honored that you were part of the very first test batch. (laughs) The guinea pigs, <laughs> the uh, guinea pig pass. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're all learning this together. Yeah, but, but that's the bottom line. Like, this is the first time this has been done in in the United States, and so it's like we're gonna stick our necks out there and see what this looks like, and hopefully, it it leverages and makes the sport better for everybody. I think even from just from a standpoint of, um, I don't want to say. I'm searching for the right word here, but, um, it helps people understand what your focus is in the sport. If you say I'm racing a lifetime Grand Prix, whereas before it's, it was a little bit, you know, you could say that you're racing gravel and that can mean any number of things, you know? Um, so I feel like it is kind of a way to identify that like, these are the individuals that are really going to be at the front of the race. Um, so I think that's been really cool and yeah, it's, it's just been interesting to, you know, there's not really been anything mm-hmm. like this before to my knowledge. Yeah. I love hearing that on little, on start lines, like guys being like, that's, you know, that's Hannah Shell. She races the grand prix. And that, like, I mean, like, it's cool to hear like that it's giving you some notoriety for the efforts that you're putting in and, and some recognition for the for the level of commitment that it takes. Um, it's just, it's fun to kind of watch from the background and get to witness that stuff happen, play out in real life. What, um, what do you think from the lifetime perspective has gone really well with the Grand Prix and what are some things you're going to try to improve on next year? Well, uh, you know, I mean, obviously we're scrutinizing all of it right now. We've, I think you've gotten a survey and, and we've done surveys internally on like what to improve and we're constantly having meetings. And I know if, if chemo hasn't reached out to you, I know he's reaching out to, um, a lot of the athletes individually, just talking to them about everything. Um, you know, I think the things that, that we got right are pretty straightforward. And the fact that the 50, 50, I do like the mountain bike and the gravel disciplines, both being on the calendar. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, um, I think things that we need to do better specifically come around really how we how we promote it. And hopefully that we raise for 2023, I really want to raise, um, the level of, um, recognition that we're, that the athletes are getting and hopefully helping, especially some that are more, you know, in your position, like, how do we help you find, um, more connections in the, in the industry to help offset your costs and help pay you and all of those sorts of things. Like, I think, that's a, that's a position that we can leverage our position in the industry a little bit better. Um, you know, I, I, 
I get frustrated that because you look at the women's side and you see just so much, so many more of you that have to work mm-hmm. more jobs. Like you guys just hustle harder than the men have to hustle. I mean, not that the men don't hustle because they do, but you know, it's, it's, I think that, that, in, that ever chasing you know, effort of trying to seriously make it 50, 50, um, it's really hard. And, um, I just hope we keep pushing and leaning into that. Um, from an, from an organization standpoint. Um, other than that, you know, I'm, I'm always curious on these conversations about safety and start lines. And, um, I consider Leah Davison a friend and there's points that I disagree with her on some of the stuff that she said in her article. And, um, but I do, I do hope we continue to have those super honest conversations about how we improve the sport, because that's really what we're here for is to just improve the sport. Like, and, and protect, I, I don't like that spirit of gravel term because I actually think that that's what we have. Like we, it, the spirit of gravel is exactly what you're looking at. Like that's what it is, yeah. but protect just some of the integrity of, of the history of it. And I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if like athletes that are coming don't understand the history. Like, do we need a history lesson? <laughs> How did gravel start? And why do we not want to put all these suggested rules that you're asking me to add to our rule book into play. Like it's, it's like, that's, if you want that kind of racing, it's gravel's probably not the right discipline. Like maybe go back to UCI racing or, you know, but maybe that's where you thrive and not gravel. So I don't know. What do you think? Um, one of the things that I think is super, um, valid have been the, I would say like safety, recommendations that have Mm -hmm. come out of expanding those, um, that are competing in gravel. I think that, um, having, you know, like, I I know this is so hard when you have a 200 mile course, but having a course marshal at busy intersections, I think that was one of Leah's points. I think that's a great, a great and valid point. Um, I also think having a, this is a loaded word again, but having a pro corral that kind of separates what I would say, those that self-identify as wanting to race the race from those that are mm-hmm. maybe just out to ride the course. Um, so that there's not, you know, a safety concern of having maybe individuals that aren't used to being in a pack that's going super fast up at the front of the race. I think those are all, yeah, like great criticisms and things that hopefully will help propel the, the sport forward. And even the ones that I don't agree with having these conversations probably helps gravel to solidify what it is. Exactly. You know? Yay. Will you, uh, if there's a Grand Prix next year, will you throw your name in the hat or do you want to do some other things? I will for sure throw my name in the hat. Yeah. I think that I feel like through this year, I've started to conquer some of my fear on the mountain bike and identify what my weaknesses are. Um, I would love another opportunity to like give it a crack next year and see if I can maybe um, be competitive in some of those races. Yeah. I think it's, I always said, I think like the top are going to be mountain bikers this year, right? Just because it's, it's much easier for them to go to a gravel discipline than like a road rider to go to a mountain bike discipline but I think like 
just like you, you're like, well, now I'm conquering my fears. I'm learning how to do this. I'm figuring out they're not super technical courses on the mountain bike side. So you're figuring that out and you'll, that, the, that level will get better and better. So it'll get more Mm -hmm. evenly competitive from mountain bike to, you know, pure gravel or road riders. Yeah. I mean, you're definitely going to improve your mountain bike skills leaps and bounds. If you focus on that, I mean, you already have so many of the skill sets for it and yeah, that just is going to take some comfort level. One of the many people that has helped me with skills in the mountain bike this year made an argument to me because I kind of said, it's like, you know, it's hard for me to focus on this because it's not my strength. And I'm a big believer in focus on what your strengths are. Um, that way you get better at those things instead of just focusing on your weaknesses. And they said to me, if you think about doing a gravel race, like unbound, how many turns are on the unbound course? There's a lot of turns. And now imagine that you can take each one of those turns two seconds faster because of the mountain bike work that you're doing. And how much time does that save Mm -hmm. you through the duration of that course? And now imagine how many intervals you'd have to do to gain that time. And that was a really big moment for me and thinking like, oh, okay, mountain biking is actually useful, even if it's not just for mountain biking, it helps. And I've found that throughout the year, like it helps with confidence on all, all, all the other types of terrain that we face in these races. <laughs> it would help on little Egypt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. So we're going to see you spending some more time on the mountain bike. Uh, and you said you may go race a mountain bike yeah. event after yeah. Big Sugar, and then that would close out your season. Have you, Iceman um, Cometh, have you done that? Iceman Cometh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Christy's like, I'm going to Arizona. <laughs> I don't like the cold at like at yeah. all. And I'm old enough now that like I've done enough races Um where I've been miserable because of the climate that I'm like, I hate this shit. Why am I doing it? I am not proving anything to anybody. And I've proved to myself that I can do it now. So why do I keep doing it? Like, it's like, this isn't fun. Like even when the, even when it's over and people are like, Oh, that was great. Like, it still is not great. It was still freaking cold and I'm miserable. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's that piece that I think about the, mid south I've done in the mud and the cold. I have not done that race for that reason. <laughs> yeah. Just awful. And <laughs> like that one that one year that I walked 13 miles because it was muddy like that. I'm like, no, this is not fun. And I trashed my bike, like all the things. Like I'm like, this is just luckily, you know, we own a bike shop because otherwise I couldn't afford to do this. Like go down and trash my bike and take it into the mechanic. I'm like, here, you deal with this. (laughs) I can't, (laughs) but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit over. I'm definitely more of a fair weather racer at this point. And I'm totally fine with that. (laughs) I think you have every right to be. (laughs) Well, Hannah, we are really excited to watch you race at big sugar. And if folks want to follow you and follow along with what you're doing, where should they go find you? I'm on Instagram at Hannah G shell. Awesome. So track Hannah on there. And then, uh, we will be live in Bentonville doing some fun things. So I'm sure we'll see you there in one way or another. So, um, awesome. I'm excited to meet you in real life. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to that. You have been listening to the girls gone gravel podcast. 
This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.